Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today is our part two episode of our revisit of one Ronald Weasley. <laughs> um, if you haven't listened to our part one episode already, we decided to, because this is like redoing our, technically our first ever podcast episode, we are doing things a little bit differently instead of breaking up talking about this character by topics we are doing a chronological like timeline sort of breakdown of ron so our first episode is ron through sorcerer's stone to prisoner of azkaban so this one we'll be talking about goblet of fire through deathly hallows ron um we touch on some larger themes in our first episode so make sure you go listen to that first um so yeah, we'll kind of be talking about plot points as we go along and also how that fits into the larger picture of Ron as a person. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend listening to last week's episode first um, because just chronological order. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we get started, our patron of the episode is Mark, my dad. Thanks, dad. You rock. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate you. <laughs> All right. So let's just jump right in. I feel like we got a lot to talk about with Goblet yeah. of Fire here. Um, really kind of Ron's time to shine, I guess. <laughs> uh, depending on how you look at it. Um, so <laughs> referencing back, if this book were from Ron's point of view, uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the internet would call it Ron Weasley and the Green Monster of Jealousy. Oh, which I feel like is, yeah, probably pretty good. Probably pretty good one. <laughs> um, so Goblet of Fire, we start out with Quidditch World Cup. Um, the Weasley family, with the exception of Molly, um, and with the addition of Harry and Hermione, all travels for the Quidditch World Cup final. And um, during this time, like we kind of get to see. The Weasleys get to, like, they have, like, box seats. Um, They get to, you know, have a good time as a family. And Ron interacts with Bill and Charlie, uh, which we have never really seen before. I think this is the first time we meet both of them. Or, yeah, because we didn't meet Charlie before. Yeah. No. Um, And there's a lot of family time. So um, we as outsiders get to just, like, see, I don't know, that, like, bonding of the family i think it's cute um when they're all like teasing each other all the siblings together um and we get an introduction to ron's obsession with victor crumb (laughs) which i feel like is very like i don't it's so like normal for like to have like Mm -hmm. a teenage boy um just like obsessed with this really good athlete and i think it's like i think it's just like kind of cool to like how that, like, would carry over into the Wizarding World. Like, I don't know. It Like, you can think about just, like, an, an English kid, like, obsessed with, like, a Premier League player. And then, like, Ron being obsessed with Victor Crumb is, like, the parallel. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, obviously, his feelings on Crumb become more complicated later on. <laughs> yeah, is this just, like, a book of warning? Like, don't meet your heroes, kids. 
don't meet your heroes because they'll steal your girl. <laughs> they'll fall in love with your best friend. <laughs> uh, so the then we get to Hogwarts and the Triwizard Tournament is introduced and it's tempting to Ron. And I was thinking about this and like it really the Triwizard Tournament is something that like would really set Ron apart from his brothers um, because like even if he like became head boy and was quidditch captain and prefect and all of those things like those were all things that like previous weasleys had accomplished like he could only like meet the bar he couldn't really surpass it um obviously saving the wizarding world is something that he will (laughs) later do that will surpass it but that wasn't so much in the cards at this point um and so like the idea of like being a champion a triwizard uh tournament champion like hogwarts champion would be something like his brothers had never done and so obviously even though like it's just a pipe dream like i feel like this is like particularly um intriguing and tempting to ron and i it made me think back to like uh I guess something we didn't talk about in one, the mirror of Erised and like how he sees himself like winning the house cup and like head boy and Quidditch captain and all these things. And like, if he knew that this was a possibility, like that would definitely be in that mirror of Erised. Um, which I don't like, yeah, that says a lot about Ron and his, weird feelings around like standing out in comparison to his brothers and like getting attention and his like his like how he's like drawn to the spotlight yeah i don't know it's interesting him like his his relationship with his family i feel like is something we have talked about maybe the least yet um out of like kind of those big themes that we wanted to talk about in this ep- in this um ron two-part episode it is interesting thinking about that and like obviously we've gone through it before like each of his brothers are he sees as being like better and unique in their own way and like jenny's then the baby and the girl and like ron sees himself as like not unique in any of those ways really and like not as good as all of them in their own way and like for each of their different ways that they are mm-hmm. different if that makes sense at all um so yeah like he's always kind of in search of that one thing that is his own yeah um so then we kind of kick off like the drama with Harry <laughs> <The> drama. <laughs> Harry being selected as uh, the fourth champion. And so this was yet another case of Harry getting special attention that Ron wasn't getting. Um, they, and probably like since they were both ineligible, even though they had kind of talked about like, oh, like if we could get past the age line and all that stuff. Um, but since they both like, in Ron's eyes and in Harry's eyes before it happened like would not have been able to do this it was probably like even more of a blow to Ron because I think he had probably felt like some comfort that like at least if I couldn't I can't be the champion like Harry can't either and like we're gonna just get to like watch these together and maybe for once like all the attention won't be on Harry because something else will be going on that like he won't be involved in and so I'm sure that like whether subconsciously or consciously like that 
those thoughts definitely like crossed Ron's mind before the champ the champions were selected. Um, and he did feel like he got lied to because Harry said that he wasn't really interested in it. Um, or that he wasn't going to try to like cross the age line and all that. Um, but don't really understand why he wouldn't just believe his friend when he said that he didn't do it as Hermione just like implicitly believes Harry. Um, so, I mean, I think that is kind of like a major flaw. And as I've like given the background on this, like he did, like there were complicated feelings about this, but, and it like was a like loaded topic for Ron, but I think just like that is like one of, Ron's major flaws in this book specifically and I'm trying to think if there are like other cases of it um I don't know if I can come up with any right now but like just that like he didn't like give Harry the benefit of the doubt like yeah and like like it, it makes sense that like the rest of the school didn't like they don't have a connection to him but like Hermione is the only one and like Dumbledore really is the only the only ones that are like we know you didn't do this yeah, like, I'm not saying, I think all of the things we've talked about give, maybe not give Ron the right, like, isn't the right word, but, like, I understand why he's upset with Harry, but none of that explains why he doesn't just believe Harry. Like, I feel like those two things are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Like, I feel like he could believe that Harry didn't put his name in the Goblet of Fire and also be mad at the situation. Yeah. You know? That's why I'm, like, even more confused about it. This is where I, like, I feel like I'm trying to approach this episode or these episodes as, like, seeing things from Ron's point of view. And, like, I feel like I'm often very harsh on Ron. I'm trying to be less harsh here. Mm -hmm. But, like, this is something where I'm, like, I really don't get it. And I do think he's, like, very clearly at fault. And, like, yes, Harry does kind of... Harry leans into it and, like, starts getting snippy back at him. But, like, I I don't... I can't excuse this behavior from Ron. Yeah. I can't, like, find an excuse for it. I understand the context, but I just think that, like... I don't know. I just think he's, like... He is a very bad friend in this moment. Yeah. Like, there, the, I don't think there's any getting around that. And, like, I know and, like, he's 14 years old, and I, I understand that. I'm, I'm understanding of the context, but I just, like, I don't... I can't... Yeah, I can't excuse it. Okay, and I feel like me and you, like, not really forgiving Ron in the moment. Like, this is, like, we can still be mad at him about this, but, like, that doesn't, that doesn't mean I hate Ron or, like, think he's a bad friend all the time or think he's a bad character. I just, like, this is a flaw that he has and I don't love him in this moment, you know? Yeah, and, like, he is, it does, like, I mean, it doesn't, like... I still, like, like Ron overall, but this is something that, like, gets to me. And, like, I think he is a really good friend to Harry over the span of the seven years. But, like, this is... He's not being a good friend in this time. Yeah. Um, so, this kind of kicks off, like, a lot of little fights that they have. And they pretty much stop talking to each other. And Ron starts hanging out with Demas. Okay. <laughs> Demon Seamus third wheeling (laughs) yeah Um, and he just really like distances himself from harry like they never talk and when they do like are forced to kind of talk to each other they are like are mean (laughs) yeah um and then the the, uh, they have like kind of a big fight when he overhears harry talking in the common room one night and he comes down and 
Harry had been talking to Sirius on the flu powder. And he's like, who are you talking to? And Harry's like, it's none of your business who I talk to. Um, and I think Harry ends up, like, throwing a Potter Stinks badge at him. Like, yeah, it hits him right in the head, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, and I think, like, so the, I was, like, reading the wiki to, like, make sure I was, like, touching on everything for each of the years. And in the wiki it said, like, it was, like, and this was, a like, a turning point for Ron. And he, like, noticed that, like, he had, like made Harry lose trust in him and that's why like they like make up a week later or whatever I think it's actually maybe like the next day this might be the night before the first task or something um and I was like I don't know that that's the case I don't know that it's really a wake-up call because the way it's presented in the book at least in my memory is that like they become friends again after the first task and Ron's excuse is like, or Ron's like reasoning for like being cool with it is like, oh, once I saw that, I knew like no one in their right mind would like try to enter this tournament. And they're like, I know you couldn't have done it because like you would be mad. And I'm like, that's a bullshit excuse. <laughs> and like, it really is. I feel like their reunion and like reconciliation would have meant so much more if like, for example, like, the incident when Harry was talking to Sirius and they had this little fight, like, if that was, like, the wake-up call and that's what caused them to get back get back together, quote-unquote, like, pre, um, pre the first task happening, because I feel like it, like, kind of discredits, like, uh, Ron's, like, intentions by having him just be like, oh, I'm friends with Harry again now that he's, like, fought off a dragon and is, yeah. like, we're gonna throw this huge party for him. Like, it just... <sighs> It really, it bothers me, and I know it's, like, very, like, teenage, like, immature, like, oh, like, we were fighting for kind of a pointless reason, and now we're just gonna, like, be friends again for, like, not a really clear reason, and we're not gonna super reconcile this. Like, it's just like, okay, cool, we're friends again, but I just wish that he had, like, before the first task, he had, like, been, become friends with Harry, and, like, it was, like, I, I just feel like it would get, would have given more credit to Ron. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I think that the, like, excuse of, like, nobody in their right mind would enter the tournament on their own. Well, like, that's just, like, factually incorrect. Because <laughs> however many people entered the tournament on their own, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that, like, I mean, I think the impetus of them getting back together, as you say, <laughs> is, like... You know, like, Ron sees his friend in, like, danger, right? And he yeah. realizes that, like, their petty squabble is not as important yeah. as, it feel, as it felt like the day before. I also, like, obviously there's no, like, evidence really to back this up. But I feel like both of them, I mean, I guess we kind of see this from Harry's perspective. It's like they both want to reconcile. It's just yeah. neither of them are willing to, like, put their ego aside and be like, I'm sorry, I did this wrong. Yeah. Like, let's move on. And so I feel like this kind of gave him an easy out of, like, them not having to have that conversation, which, like, isn't great because, like, communication is key. <laughs> you know, like, talking things out probably would have been better. But, you know, like, I could see him kind of wanting to have reconciled for a while. But it's kind of like, you know, when you're mad at your parents 
and like it takes effort or like when you're mad at one of your siblings and like it takes effort to stay mad at them but like Mm. for the principle of it you're like no I'm still mad Mm. you know I feel like it kind of is like that and they just like got to a point where like neither of them cared enough to stay mad anymore yeah I don't know that's true um so anyway they kind of reconcile um but then we have a whole other nightmare like the next month (laughs) with the yule ball like it's a really rough year for him um and this this whole scenario very much is just like puberty it's like (laughs) high school feeling uncomfortable with yourself feeling uncomfortable with like your friends and like love and all of that and like being self-conscious about how you look and what you wear and like it just like it wraps up like so much um so yeah they hear about the yule ball and everyone else like seems to be perfectly fine with like asking uh and getting dates and ron is a mess about it okay Um, harry harry too yeah yeah harry also struggles but he does ask someone that he genuinely likes and like unfortunately it was too late um ron tries to ask fleur to the ball (laughs) (laughs) ron throughout this book and actually like kind of throughout like the rest of the series we see is like particularly particularly susceptible to like fleur's charm um whereas like harry is like very much not that much susceptible you know like he definitely like thinks flair's attractive but he's not like stumbling he over his mind when yeah. he's around her and i think it's also like parallel like ron is particularly susceptible to like the fame of crumb and like you know he's just like very much in awe of like people like that you know like particularly beautiful or famous or good at quidditch like that kind of stuff and i think it's interesting and it kind of like it, it's funny it's kind of funny comic comical because like ron is kind of like your average joe you know in comparison to like harry who has had th- these like run-ins with fame and stuff like that um so yeah he tries to ask Blair to the ball doesn't go well she doesn't say no but she's laughed yeah <laughs> um he then like takes out a lot of i think this anxiety that he's feeling on hermione and he is not very nice to Hermione um and he's like oh you're lying about like having a date and then of course when he sees her with Crumb that is like he he acts like it's the worst thing she could have done because Crumb is Harry's opponent and he clearly uh is maybe figuring some stuff out about his (laughs) feelings about her Cormac to the club <laughs> Christmas party round. Um, and so I I kind of question like if this if this if her like confronting this and being like well next time like if you wanted to go with me just ask me or like you know and her being like in case you haven't noticed like I am a girl and like other other boys have noticed that um, and I wonder if like her addressing this is like the first thing that makes her be like shit hmm maybe I feel something and I don't know that he ever like I'm not saying like 14 year old Ron is sitting down and is like wow I think I like Hermione but I think maybe this is like this is the impetus for like Like, him him starting to yeah and I don't know that he's actually doing that self-reflection but I think it like 
subconsciously he's starting to realize some things. <laughs> um, still won't have worked them out by year six. Maybe we'll have worked them out a little bit by year seven. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because I feel like obviously like year six stuff happens with this, but I feel like year five it just like yeah like they start talking progresses about it. Yeah. because like from this like. I'm not saying that that's weird or anything, but, like, it's just interesting that, like, so much happens in four with this storyline. Mm-hmm. And then, like, nothing really happens in five. Mm-hmm. I guess they have, like, bigger problems. And then six, it's, like, rages its head again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we also have the dress robe debacle with the <laughs> Yule Ball. I'm telling you, the Yule Ball is loaded. Um and, like, the dress robes kind of manifest, like, everything that he's embarrassed of. Like, obviously, he's self-conscious about, like, himself and his own appearance, as, like, most 14-year-olds are. Um, this is coming off the embarrassment of, like, trying to ask Fleur to the, to the Yule Ball. And then, like, you know, the dress robes are, like, show that, like, his family does not have the money to, like, buy these really nice dress robes for him. Um, so there's a lot of embarrassment wrapped up in that. And due to all of these inner turmoils, he is a raging dick to Padma. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically like, I mean, I think Padma and P- Parvati kind of, they rebound and they end up having a great night. Um, but like the, Harry and Ron like could have really ruined their night too. And so like, it's, it's very like obviously we can understand the reasons why Ron is acting like this and like he's a teenager and these are all emotions that we understand but um yeah he's he's like dismissive of her and doesn't care to like make sure that she has a good time and is so wrapped up in like the fact that Hermione has shown up with Crumb that it's like and is looking it's just yeah it's it's like sad and it's disappointing and you know I'm sure that, like, as an adult, he looks back on this and he's like, yeah, that wasn't my shouting moment, you know? Like, Well, I mean, in one timeline, they get married, so it this must is have not bothered her that This much. is true. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of the Yule Ball, I saw something the other day that was like, I, forget, I cannot remember where it was from, but somebody said that they wished that they cut all the Yule Ball scenes out of the movie to, like, give more time to, like, the actual, like, plot, and I was like no how about we cut some of the triwizard tasks <laughs> from the movie like the yule ball like has important stuff that happens in mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. like that would not be one of my top like yeah no i don't think so i guess either. three things so one other thing that we kind of see that i wanted to break bring up with the yule ball is we see some of his biases get revealed um and we've been talking a lot about how, like, being raised in the wizarding world was this kind of plus for Ron. It allowed him to have this knowledge and stuff that, like, he could then impart on Harry and Hermione. But this is one of the drawbacks of having been raised um, in the wizarding world, which we know is a world like our own with a lot of prejudice. Um, and not having that outsider perspective. Because when him and Harry overhear Hagrid talking about being a half-giant, Ron is immediately... Um, it immediately kind of changes his view on Hagrid. And he still, like, says that he, like, he knows who Hagrid is. He likes Hagrid. But he's like, that's never something I would share. And, like, he does kind of 
view Hagrid a little bit differently and he's a bit fearful and judgmental of Hagrid because of this new knowledge whereas Harry's like Harry doesn't know the connotations wrapped up in being a giant and Harry's like well I mean like isn't it kind of obvious like I feel like it make it just makes sense and it Harry's not at all affected by this and how he sees Hagrid and so I think this is an important important thing to point out that like with um, this no- insider knowledge also becomes like these biases and prejudices that like when you're raised within a world like you inherit these things and I'm not saying that like it's because the Weasleys were like okay now little Ron like giants are bad but it's like these are things that you pick up from your society and your culture and like it takes sometimes it takes having like an outsider perspective to like let yeah. you know that like oh yeah like that's stupid like I know Hagrid this doesn't change who he is and who like the friend he has been to me. Yeah. I mean, fear of the other and like prejudice towards other people or whatever it is, like is almost like an inherent thing of like human societies, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And like, that's sad, but it is just something that like is a thing that happens. Yeah. And I think that like, Ron kind of acknowledging it um and like I'm not saying he's like oh Hagrid's half giant I thought that was bad but I know Hagrid and I know that he's not bad so everything is fine but you know like I feel like after knowing that information and because of his relationship with Hagrid he is maybe less prejudiced than he was the day before no definitely I mean I think it like takes him a minute and it takes like hearing Harry and Hermione be unaffected by it but like yeah it does like allow him to confront that and I think that's important and it's like an interesting lesson to like see play out um yeah for Ron and like not a terrible thing that happened at the Yule Ball no. as opposed to everything <laughs> else for him like yeah. there's a silver lining in this yeah <laughs> um, oh man okay so <laughs> sorry I feel like this has taken a while but <laughs> it was front heavy with Ron on this book um there's a lot of stuff that happens in like the first up until Christmas and then he's a little bit less involved later on um or less centered in the drama um so with the second task he is like identified as the thing Harry would miss most is that the word yeah, yeah. Harry cares about most would miss most um which is heartwarming especially because like like Fleur's person is her sister it's like an actual blood relative and then for Cedric and Crom, it's like they're your ball they're their dates <laughs> but like you know this reinforces that like Harry and Ron despite like their troubles earlier this year like they are very like <laughs> deeply connected and like they are essentially yeah. like brothers and like you know it reminds us of their friendship yeah, can you imagine if it was Parvati? <laughs> Parvati. <laughs> Harry was would Sally. definitely just have like gone and saved Hermione and been like, "All right, cool." <laughs> All right, sounds good. <laughs> uh, so um, he does like we see him kind of revel in this spotlight again. So um, you know he gets some attention from Fleur for quote unquote rescuing Gabrielle, and you have um, to. <laughs> and then his story like. Harry kind of after this task Harry kind of sits back and like lets Ron like take the (laughs) take the lead and Ron literally just like exaggerates it more and more every time of like what it was like to like you know be part of the task even though he's literally like unconscious during the whole thing (laughs) Um, but I think especially with the second task like 
you know, the, the crowd, like, doesn't see anything, and so they're, like, kind of craving for, like, information yeah. on this. Um, so we get to, you know, he gets a little bit of, a little bit of time in the sun. Um, and then the third task, he, you know, he starts to, like, do his penance for being a dick at the beginning of this book, and he really helps out a lot in preparing for the third task. He is basically, like, a punching bag for Harry, or a stunning bag for Harry, um, because they, Harry prepares a lot for the third task, um, and, like, Hermione and Ron basically just, like, let him shoot spells at them as he like learns all of these defensive and um defensive spells to get him through the maze um so ron helps out a lot with that really proud of him um, and then we do see that at the end like again as i said i think in the last episode like yeah they've had like a bit of a tumultuous relationship this year and like ron did not stand by harry at the beginning of the year but like push comes to shove like Voldemort is back Ron is firmly by Harry's side and the whole Weasley family is with him and like they they don't question Harry like when Harry like shares what's happened yeah he like the whole family is like all right Dumbledore Harry what can we do like they they immediately spring into action I think like Bill and Arthur immediately like go start like basically rounding up the order um and Ron and Hermione are really, like, kind of solace for Harry during this time. Even though, like, Harry's, like, going through a lot of his own stuff. But they they literally just support him and they're there. And they, like, don't question things. Even though I'm sure they personally, like, have a ton of questions, like, about what happened in the cemetery. But they kind of just, like, allow Harry um, to, like, go through it and they stand by his side. And I'm sure that, like, there's so many things we don't see of them, like defending Harry to their classmates like I'm sure anytime like you know after all this has happened and they see like they hear like people being like oh like what even happened like I don't believe Harry I'm sure Ron and Hermione are like fuck you um (laughs) which this probably carries over into Order of the Phoenix but yeah it's a it's a rocky ride in Goblet of Fire but you know they come through at the end and uh Ron is a better man because of it (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that like the parallel of the beginning of the book and the end of the book is very interesting because like Ron doesn't believe Harry, he doesn't defend Harry, he doesn't stand by Harry, and at the end like when something like honestly must much more consequential yeah. happens and honestly like much more unbelievable <laughs> happens, like Ron is. I mean, I could even make the argument that, like, even more than Hermione, like, more of a vocal supporter of mm-hmm. Harry within the school. I mean, there's that scene at the beginning of Five, which transitioning into Five, you know, like, where Ron stands up for Harry in front of, like, the whole Gryffindor common room to, like, Seamus and Dean. Mm-hmm. Mostly Seamus. Um, so, yeah. Good on you, Ron. Growing up. <laughs> Um, so transition, transitioning into Order of the Phoenix. Um, the title for this one is Ron Weasley and the Year of Quidditch. The Year of Quidditch. I mean, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, so if like Ron was the moody, angsty one in <laughs> Gobble to Fire, then Harry is the moody, angsty one in Order of the Phoenix. 
Um, it starts off, Ron and Hermione are already at Grimmauld Place when Harry gets there, and he's, like, already fed up with them. Like, <laughs> when Harry steps foot in that room, I think, like, oh, what does it say in the book? Like, at, like there's a moment of, like, joy and, like, seeing Ron and Hermione, but as soon as, like, that moment is over, he's, like, back to being, like, mad at them for not telling him anything, awesome. leaving yeah. him in the dark them being here and like having fun and doing whatever they were doing without him you know um which like is semi a false narrative because as we learn like ron and hermione were just cleaning the house all day like they weren't in order conversations they still Mm -hmm. still don't really know what's going on um so yeah harry kind of like starts off pretty mad at the two of them like he warms up fairly quickly but that first night is a little rough because like harry if we're gonna like talk about all of the other things that contribute to ron kind of being an angsty dickhead like harry has his own stuff going on as well especially at the beginning of the order of the phoenix with like him getting expelled from hogwarts and then like not really expelled from hogwarts and having to go to the ministry for a trial so things are just tense to start off this book Mm-hmm. Um, here he goes to the trial. He doesn't get expelled from Hogwarts. And the next kind of big thing involving Ron that happens is he gets made prefect, um, which causes a lot of feelings with him, within him and Harry as well. Um, like Ron is shocked. Like he was fully expecting it to be Harry. So I think he, like as happy as he is that he made prefect he i feel like he doesn't feel like he can celebrate because Mm -hmm. he feels like it's kind of like a consolation prize like when hermione walks into the room like harry's actually the one holding the prefect badge when she does it and hermione literally says like i knew it would be you harry and then ron's like it's actually me (laughs) and like that's really awkward (laughs) um and kind of the fact that like Harry also believes that he deserves it like he never says that to Ron but I feel like Ron could probably pick up on that fact because like Harry gets extra moody again um so like he feels like he really can't even like celebrate that victory because he feels that like celebrating it would make Harry feel weird also like he feels like he doesn't really deserve it in some ways so like that's a big thing Mm -hmm. um yeah, kind of his inferiority complex again. Like, he, feel like, he feels like he doesn't deserve it. Um, and then, like, another... This is kind of all jumbled together, but, like, a storyline that Ron has going back to the title of this book from Ron's perspective <laughs> is that, like, he is secretly practicing Quidditch leading up to Quidditch trials um, and makes the team, which, like, he was nervous to even tell anybody that he was trying out for the team like he didn't tell anybody until he showed up that i guess like harry catches him before the tryouts um but yeah he was like trying to keep it secret but he ends up making the team and his whole like roller coaster ride of him being keeper is interesting throughout this and half one prince um And then, like, another thing that he's involved in is obviously Dumbledore's army. So, he's not really a big proponent of Dumbledore's army at the beginning. He, like, comes with Hermione to present the idea to Harry. But he's very clear that, like, this is Hermione's idea, not his idea. Until um, Harry starts to show interest in it. And then Ron is like, yeah, I thought that too. Like, good good job. (laughs) Um, So, like, I think he's 
I think a lot of this book is Ron and Hermione like tiptoeing around Harry. Like he's basically a ticking time bomb for a lot of it and they just don't want to be the ones to set him off. Um, so I think like, I think it simultaneously like affects their friendship because like being on edge around your best friend like isn't a super healthy environment to be in but I think it also shows how good of friends the two of them are that like they stay by him Mm -hmm. and they like understand what is going on with him and so they don't like push him on it and they're just kind of there to like take a beating honestly yeah a lot of the time and they like understand that I think which yeah, I feel like they do snap at one point, but, like, they do it to be, like, Harry, come on, this is enough, like. Yeah. It's tough, yeah. Um, then Ron's dad gets attacked by Nagini while at the ministry one night, and we don't really see how this affects Ron very much. Like, um, I think one of the twins is, like, starts to, like, question Harry about it. Mm-hmm um because they're like a little not that they're like suspicious of harry but they're just like very like emotional in this moment yeah. obviously um and like we see them back at like Grimwald place but i don't think we ever see like ron is never like man that was tough like that affected me in this way you know right i think so much of it is like the inner tor- turmoil of harry at this time that like we don't we really don't see the perspective of the weasleys um when their dad is like almost killed yeah um which is tough and then like they go to st mungo's they visit him in st mungo's and stay tuned for if you're a patron you can check audrey and i do a reread and breakdown of christmas on the closed ward for our december patreon episode yes yeah coming up coming up next yeah (laughs) next month um and so just those are kind of like the main plot points i know i kind of like glossed over quidditch um but that does like tie into a lot of his like insecurities like he's very up and down yeah with the weasleys our king song is this year right yeah 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 it's this year for like one game and then like no the slytherins did it as like a joke yeah game and then he ended up like being really good that one oh and 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 uh harry and hermione miss it yeah, because yeah. they're in the forest with Grop yeah. and Hagrid. Um, and they're like, they like try to play it off like they were there yeah. <laughs> for a little bit. Um, so yeah, he's like, it's very up and down with Quidditch. Like when he's low, he's very low. When he's high, he's very high. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, him not being a kiss- consistent keeper causes those to fluctuate quite a bit. <laughs> um but I think a lot of this book is, like, Ron coming into his own and, like, kind of not being seen as, like, Harry's best friend through the eyes of the reader anymore. You know, like, he now is also a Quidditch player. He now is a prefect. He now is, like, becoming more adept at defense against the dark arts through, like, going to the DA. Like, he's not quite... Like, he doesn't have quite the glow-up that, like, Neville does, but I think he has a little bit of a glow-up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In terms of, like, magical skill. So it's a lot of, like, him kind of being, like, realizing his full potential, almost. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, like, obviously his head might get a little bit too big in the next book. We'll <laughs> talk about that when we get there. Um, 
So yeah, and then like obviously he goes with Harry, Hermione, Ginny, Luna, and Neville to the Battle of the Department of Mysteries. He doesn't last super long though, as is <laughs> I guess par for the course for these end of year <laughs> snafus that they get themselves into. Um, I guess while in like the room of thought or the chamber of thought, I think yeah. is what it's called, he gets confounded and like he gets very confused. Obviously, that's the point of confundo and he like there's this tank with brains and tentacles and he ends up like summoning one of them to him because i think it looks cool and like ends up attacking him and like i feel like a lot of the times this is seen as like a silly thing but like if you like go back and read or listen to that part of the book like it is terrifying Mm -hmm. like harry is convinced like harry is freaking out at this point because like i think they're strangling him like he's on the verge of dying right now and like he's also not the only one that is like struggling at this moment and so harry has to worry about like multiple people it's just it's a lot it's very stressful um and this is not in the movies obviously because they don't show any of like the chamber of thought or like the time turners and all of the other cool rooms that they go into in the book. Um, Mm -hmm. But Ron is also supposed to have, like, tentacle-like scars on him. Yeah, and um, I think they last. That don't go away. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, he doesn't really participate that much in the the battle. (laughs) Because after that, he's, like, pretty down for the count. Yeah. So. Okay. Um... So now on to Half-Blood Prince, which has been dubbed Ron Weasley and the girl drama. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there's girl drama with not just Ron, though. Yeah, but it's mostly with Ron. Yeah, he's the common (laughs) denominator in a lot of it. Um, So I feel like this book is, like, kind of similar to four in the way that like ron's kind of a dick like those are like his he doesn't he doesn't do so hot in four and six um and also like as a consequence of that we see a lot of like uh harry and hermione solo time during those two books um so we start the book out um with owl results and i just want to point out he did receive seven owls he only failed divination and history of magic which like that's the same like overall score of hair as harry and like uh something that like we asked um in our facebook group is like what do you want us to talk about um with regards to ron and one of the things was like uh like he's portrayed as like so dumb in the movies and like He's really not dumb. He's just not very dedicated to his studies. But, like, even though he doesn't... Like, he, they end up studying a lot for OWLs. But even though he's not super dedicated all year round, like, he still does fairly well on his exams. Um, I think, like, like his scores are worse than Harry because Harry gets, like, the outstanding and defends against the dark arts. But he's a, he's a smart guy. But maybe hey, not a good student. He's get degrees, He's get degrees. Um... <laughs> Um, and also in the, like, summer before school starts, Fleur is living at the borough, and so this, like, brings that up again, and we see he's still, like, clearly into her, even though she's now engaged to his brother. Um, and this is just, like, a reminder of, like, what I was talking about before, how he's very, like, drawn to, like, the beauty and the fame. Um, which aren't we all wrong? (laughs) 
I think this also um, ties into like his susceptibility with the Horcruxes. The yeah, Horcruxes. That's a good point. Because um, I think it all comes down to like his insecurity, honestly. Mm. Like why he's drawn to like beautiful people and famous people. And why the Horcrux is able to like affect him in such a way, I think really all comes down to like you think because he has like he has such a low opinion of himself, like yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, he never wants to surround himself with like he wants to make himself seem as good as them or like worthy of them, yeah. you know, yeah. like the famous people and the beautiful people. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so another big theme in this book is Quidditch with Ron um as it is in the book before but like if you're we're talking about movies like Quidditch gets totally cut out of Order of the Phoenix so like they like kind of shift all of it into one so I always think about Hot Blood Princess like the big Quidditch here with Juan. Juan. <laughs> I always think about Half Blood Prince as the big Quidditch year with Ron but um it is, like, also in Order of the Phoenix lot, but it is in Half-Blood Prince. Um, he makes the team partially because of Hermione's Confundus charm. Um, mostly because of Hermione's Confundus. <laughs> um, he, again, is just, like, struggles a ton with confidence. Um, and this is why Harry uses the Felix Felices on him. Or, like, doesn't actually use it, but, like, you know, placebo effect makes him think, think that he uses it. Um, because he knows that, like, Ron is a skilled keeper. He just, like, does not have the confidence, like, with so much of Ron's life. So, um, yeah. And then the whole, like, I feel like the whole Quidditch, like, storyline is very much, like, coming of an age, awkwardness, like, not having confidence in yourself. And then, like, when he does have confidence and does do well, he's, like so high and has such a big ego and like loves the attention and the popularity from it it's very like high schooly um i feel like i i as i'm like talking about this i'm realizing like a lot of ron's like storylines are kind of what helps keep like the books normal mm -hmm. you know like they they help remind you that like these kids are in like essentially high school and like they are teenagers and like I think it allows, like, you to, like, relate to some of the, like, goings-on at Hogwarts that, like, you don't always get from Harry because Harry is wrapped up in other things. Whereas, like, but Half-Blood Prince is very much, like, the most, like, day-to-day -day of the books. Yeah, like, he keeps them um, grounded. Yeah. Like, the story's grounded. Um, so... On top of Quidditch, we also have kind of the Slug Club storyline going on. And Ron is completely overlooked for this. I think Slughorn, like, never even really remembers his name. Um, but Harry, Hermione, and Ginny are all invited. Yeah. I feel like we always talk about, like, Harry and Hermione get included in things. But, like, this is, like, also Ginny is included in this. And he's just, like, totally overlooked. Um, and he definitely is really affected by that. Um, and, like, down on himself because of that. So then, on to the, the romance, the love life. <laughs> um, so Hermione asks Ron to Slughorn's party, and he initially, like, kind of looks, like, panicked, and then she's like, as friends. And mm -hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. Um, so clearly he was, like, a little worried about, you know, finally having to face the fact that he has feelings for Hermione. <laughs> 
He doesn't want to define relationship. <laughs> um, we see him, like, project his discomfort around, like, love and crushes and dating and relationships um, on Ginny when he, like, flips out at her for <laughs> dating around and when they walk in on him with... I mean, <laughs> when they walk in on her and Dean making out. Um, so, like... Okay, <laughs> I feel like... I feel like Ron gets a lot of heat for, like, how he treats Jenny as he should. But I also feel like if you walk in on your little sibling just, like, making out with somebody else, I feel like it is a little bit, like... Yeah. All right. <laughs> like, I didn't need to see that. Okay. I feel like I would just, like, turn around, though, and be like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, obviously, he doesn't need to, like, attack her for yeah. it. But I feel like it is a very, like, awkward thing to have Oh, happen. for sure. Especially, Especially when it's, like, when, Dean... Like, yeah, like, like it's one of your roommates, yeah. one of your friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And like Ginny calls him out on like, she basically yeah. like tells us exactly why Ron's feeling this way. She's like, just because you. Just because you haven't snogged anything. Yeah, you've only kissed Aunt Muriel or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think like this and then like the weird things he's feeling about Hermione are what like kind of like throw him into like just like wanting to get some experience with dating um and so after i think it's the first quidditch match that he like plays really well and uh yeah because it's the felix felicis match um and he ends up because ron's getting lucky in more than one way (laughs) you sound like you had that queued up i did it i just thought of it um ron weasley and the year he got lucky Um, did he though did we talk about this in the lavender episode we talked about it (laughs) and i think we said we don't think they had sex right yeah i feel like i'm more of that mind yeah um so he gets together with lavender um (laughs) and this like ruins his friendship and like any hope of a relationship with hermione like it ruins their whole thing um and he is, like, it's one thing for him to, like, you know, be a teenage boy who's, like, oh, like, you know, I have a girlfriend for the first time, whatever. Uh, but he kind of, like, he takes it too far and he's, like, kind of mean to Hermione. Um, and this is, like, I think maybe one of, like, the only other times where we really see, like, that sort of, like, bullying and, like, uh, teasing get, like, malicious and actually harmful to Hermione. Um so it's probably like due to Lavender's influence, we know that Lavender is like has not not been the nicest person to Hermione throughout the years. Um and it's also like definitely due to the fact that like he is Lavender's giving all her attention to him and he loves that. He's he, finally like number one. He's number one in, somebody. in somebody's eyes and he loves that. He loves the attention. He loves how like he feels popular and cool because he has a girlfriend and all of these things and he's like doing well on the quidditch team yeah um but it's not just like i feel like we maybe kind of forget this but like hermione isn't just hurt because he's like with someone else like she's certainly hurt by like his displays of affection with lavender and everything and having to see that but like he does like make fun of her in class and um kind of just like tease her and like lean into like he exacerbates that like her only friend is Harry at this point like especially because like Lavender and Pavardi have never really been her friend and then like Ron's like broing around with Dean and Seamus kind of not really I guess not really Dean so much because the Ginny thing but like I feel like it like 
makes all of those people in the Gryffindor year, like, closer. And then, like, Harry is just like, I'm gonna be here for Hermione. (laughs) Like, even though I don't really like spending all night in the library. (laughs) Um, So, it's definitely a low point. Um, It definitely, like, changes him as a person for a little bit. And he, like, doesn't act himself. He's not a good friend. Um, And he just gets, like, caught up in all of it. Um, but then after, like, the double poisoning debacle, um, (laughs) where he eats Harry's love potion chocolate, expired love potion chocolates from Ramel Devane, and then also is, drinks the poison wine from Slughorn in the same night. And it's his birthday. And it's his birthday. Um, he sort of, like, reveals his true feelings for Hermione when they're in the hospital wing. Um, and this leads to him and Lavender breaking up like I don't think they I think Lavender's like mad at him for a while and then they like officially break up the night that Harry takes the Felix Felices um and goes down to Hagrid's and Ron is like not affected by the breakup he's kind of relieved by it he definitely like had gotten kind of bored of the the relationship with Lavender and like we know that he was never super into her like even at like Christmas I think he's like He's, like, talking to Harry about He's like, I need a break. This is too much. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so we're, it's revealed that it very much was just, like, an attention thing. But he's back to, like, you know, being happy to, like, have Harry and Hermione as his, his go-tos. And I think, like, he needed that to, like, make him realize that, like, he is, like, he is likable and, like, he will, like, you know, date more people one person in the future but yeah. like you know like he needed to like go through that to kind of like be like all right yeah. like it's whatever and now Ginny can't make fun of him for like not kissing anyone <laughs> yes definitely not the case um yeah it's kind of like he needed to like he's craved attention and like like we've talked about his like inferiority complex that he has he struggled with like always being second best um and he finally like is not second best he's number one to this one person he's like all right maybe i don't need that (laughs) you know like he's able to come back and be better than ever (laughs) um so then like i guess the other thing the other plot point with like all of the romance drama in half-blood prince is that like Harry and Ginny do start dating shortly after this because um, Ginny and Dean broke up that same night and he's like kind of chill with it which is good like honestly I think like you kind of would have expected Ron to like maybe explode about it but like now that like you know he's had his explosions in like four and earlier on in six and like he's like generally chill about it um, so maybe it shows like a little bit of maturity on his part and like you know, like, understanding that, like, if they, the two of them make each other happy, like, that's, like, good for him. Yeah, do we get, um, do we get the cliche scene of, like, if you hurt her, I'll kill you? <laughs> Does he ever say that to Harry? I don't know. I feel like he's more, remember. like, concerned about Harry's mind. Not actually, but, like, Ron's not really the protective older brother with Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Bill would do that. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Bill being like, yo. Like, like before his wedding. 
like you're a good guy and I like you but if you hurt her I'll kill you <laughs> definitely would be scarier coming from Bill than Ron too. <laughs> Harry's like okay <laughs> could take you any day Harry's like bro. I am the chosen one <laughs> um, so then wrapping up six like he does fight in the battle of the astronomy tower and kind of holds his own this time, but also, like, he drank Felix Felicis before that, so I don't know how much that is due to that. Um, but him, Hermione, Ginny, Luna, and Neville are the ones that, like, show up and help in this fight. Um, I guess, actually, Hermione and Luna don't help a lot because they, like, get deceived by Snape. Um, mm. But Yeah, they, like, are supposed to go get, like, Flitwick or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so once again, we see the Weasley family, you know, like show up for Harry and um, Bill, like, takes a blow from Fenrir Greyback. And, like, again, it's just like probably the Weasley family would have, like, you know, been on the, the you know, they probably would have, like, helped with the war effort. But, like, Ron's connection to Harry, like, makes it. Like, there's no choice. Like, they are going to be, like, you know, some of the major fighters in this war. Um, and then at the end, we do see, um, with Hermione, they tell Harry that, like, if he's not coming back to Hogwarts, they're not coming back to Hogwarts, and they're gonna join him in the hunt for Horcruxes, um, and do kind of whatever, whatever it takes, um, in the movie, I hate how this is portrayed. I don't remember how it is in the book, but in the movie, like, Ron is literally just, like, sitting, like, ten yards behind them, and Harry and Hermione are having this conversation. Yeah, they're reading, like, the R.A.B. letter. Um, <clears throat> but I think in the book, it's more like the three of them, you know, deciding on this together. And, you know, it just shows that, like, Ron and Hermione's, like, devotion to Harry and, like, their, like, loyalty to him. Um, which I think is, like, one thing that, like, no matter all these, like, little fights we see, like, it is the thing that, like, you can't deny is that, like, Ron is really loyal to Harry, um, cause, like, when the big things happen, like, he's there, um, and he struggles through some of it, but, like, you know, most of the time he shows up. Most of the time. <laughs> so, moving on to Deathly Hallows, Ron surprisingly yet again makes it all the way through a battle ron weasley and the wooing of hermione Granger. oh what i hate that i mean but like i feel like he doesn't woo hermione like in the movies i feel like in the movies in the movies he does yeah yeah no i get that like they're definitely they definitely get closer throughout this book a bit of a courtship but (laughs) yeah courtship they're going steady um so again surprisingly ron makes it all the way through a battle two for two now two in a row it's very (laughs) on the uptick um he takes part in the battle of the seven potters he is one of the hairy lookalikes he's paired with tonks and they're on broomsticks for the i felt like i was playing clue there for a second ron (laughs) ron with with tonks on a broomstick on broom (laughs) Um, for the Battle of Seven Potters. Tonks is very impressed. Ron ends up, like, saving her life throughout the Battle of the Seven Potters. Ron is, like, really just killing it. So 
so far. Um, at one point when they get back to the burrow, Harry tries to run off by himself and Ron is like, okay, let's take a step back. Like, wait for, like, let's wait for the wedding. Come on. Like, you know how much that means to my mom. They like kind of guilt trips Harry <laughs> saying for the wedding, honestly. And then Ron is like, then we can all leave together. So they like kind of semi prepare, but not really because Molly's very like tries her best to not let them prepare to leave because she doesn't want them to. But on the day of the, or the night of the wedding, I guess the ministry is attacked. The wedding gets attacked as well. And Ron, Harry and Ronnie have to make a quick getaway. Um, thank God Hermione prepared. <laughs> um, then they like go to this cafe. Like, well, is it Charing Cross? Hermione takes them to Charing Cross, Cross Road. Yeah. Like, yeah, the first um, place she thought of. They get attacked by Death Eaters and they end up at Grimmauld Place where they like camp out for a little bit. They make their plans. They figure out that Dolores Umbridge has the real locket through like Creature slash Dobby slash Mundungus. Um, and they plan to infiltrate the ministry. Ron um, takes Polyjuice Potion to look like one Reg Calermol while they infiltrate the ministry. And he spends most of his day trying to get the Yaxley's office to stop raining and comforting his wife who's like on trial. <laughs> Um, which is kind of funny, but they end up stealing the necklace from Umbridge, escaping the ministry, but Yaxley follows them to Grimmauld Place, so they must start their camping experience for Deathly Hallows. <laughs> um, during this, Ron gets splinched, um, which causes Harry some frustration mm. later on, because like Ron isn't really able to travel the way that Harry wants him to be able to. They have to like take it a little bit slower. And they also start taking turns wearing the Horcrux, which I feel like we've talked about before, but really bothers me. Why they need I don't to wear it, yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, I get maybe not wanting to just, like, leave it behind in the tent, but, like, why can't they just, like, put it in their pocket? And, like, maybe the Horcrux would also affect them if it was in their pocket, but I feel like it wouldn't have been as bad. Yeah. I agree. I just, I really don't understand. Anyways, as I've talked about before, the Horcrux ends up affecting Ron way more than Harry, than it affects Harry and Hermione. Um, I think like it preys on his insecurities, um, which we see later, like, um, when Ron does eventually destroy the Horcrux, like its last ditch effort is like showing Ron Harry and Hermione together forever, um, which is like, I'm not saying it's like Ron's worst nightmare or like what he's most afraid of. Cause like, I doubt that would really be his bog art, but it's kind of like worst case scenario right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's tough. Like he ends up like every time he's wearing it, he's like super irritable. I think also underratedly, it also preys on his insecurities about like the rest of his family. Like we see this in the blow up when he leaves. He like talks to Ron and her or yells at Ron and Harry or Hermione and Harry about like how he has a whole family to worry mm -hmm. about. Like they don't have anybody they care about to worry about, uh, which is like not true, but also like I mean, kind of true, you know, like yeah. Harry doesn't have really have to worry about his family at all. I mean, yeah, he cares about Harry. Cares like, about obviously the he cares yeah. about the rest of the Weasleys, but like 
there is a little bit of a difference yeah like it's ron's family you know um and like also something to do with that as well as like harry doesn't really have a choice in all of this where like ron actively made the decision to like put his family in extra danger throughout all of this so i feel like he feels a lot more pressure and i'm not saying not saying harry also doesn't feel that pressure of like putting the weasleys in this dangerous situation because he actively like we hear and like see him worry about that throughout the series um but like ron might just feel it a little bit more Mm -hmm. than harry because it is like blood relatives um so yeah i think it's like those two combined just make him like very raw for like the horcrux Mm. to like pick at him you know yeah um and so he leaves and then Harry and Hermione go off on their own. He ends up spending this time with Bill at Chill Cottage because he was too ashamed to go home. <laughs> um, didn't, like, face his family. But on Christmas Day, Hermione says Ron's name for the first time. Or no, yeah, Hermione yeah. says it. Yeah. Um, it says Ron's name for the first time, and the Deluminator brings Ron back to Harry and Hermione, and Ron helps Harry get the sword of Gryffindor out of the lake. Like, he saves Harry's life, and then he destroys the locket Horcrux. So, big redemption arc right for <laughs> him. Um, and he, like, comes back, and he's, like, super overly nice to, like, Hermione especially, mm-hmm. which is super funny. Um, I think in the movies it's really funny. Like, obviously in the books it is as well, but I think it's portrayed very well in the movies with him, like, let's take a vote. <laughs> um... They go to Xenophilius's, they escape, they get caught by Scabior, they go to Malfoy Manor, Dobby saves them, Dobby dies. Or I guess they break into Green Gods in between, I forgot about that. They break into Green Gods. No, that's Alpha after Malfoy Manor. That's true. So they Malfoy Manor go to Bill and Fleur's. I got Bill and Fleur's confused from earlier because I already talked about that. Yeah. Um, they break into Gringotts. They decide to go to Hogwarts. They break into Hogwarts. Battle of Hogwarts commences. Fred dies. Ron and Hermione go to the chamber. Ron and Hermione go to the chamber to get Basilisk fangs to destroy Horcruxes. They make out very differently from in the movie. <laughs> um, Ron like brings up like, oh, we have to save. Somebody has to do something about the house elves. How are they getting out to safety? And Hermione just pounces on him. Then Harry leaves to die. <laughs> then battle part two commences. Then Harry, then Ron marries Harry, and they have two kids, Rose and Hugo. Ron marries Harry? (laughs) Ron marries Hermione. They have two kids, Rose and Hugo, and they live happily ever after. And Ron passes his muggle driving test. Fun fact. (laughs) (sighs) So yeah, I feel like there's like not a whole lot to talk about like Ron as a character past how the Horcruxes affect him. Yeah. Like after that, it's like very much like plot 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 battle 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 plot you know yeah and like Not him so much like characters introspection him leaving is very much like his climax of like yeah. the series you know and like his return and like that's like you know that's kind of like resolving his like inner turmoil and um it's like the big part of his character arc whereas like after that like you get like harry's big things happening with the yeah you know horcrux thing yeah yeah but he leaves he says like when retroactively he says like 
he wanted to come back as soon as he left. Yeah. 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 He's finally able to, like, Harry's able to be like, I don't like Hermione like that. Don't worry. And I think, like, Ron maybe didn't know he needed to hear that from yeah. Harry, but I think he did um, really need to hear that. Because I think that knowing Ron, he might have always, like, lived with that little, like, doubt. If her, like, if, if, if Harry wanted Hermione, like, Hermione would just leave me for him, mm-hmm. you know? I just hope that, like, that was, like, Ron's last, like, big meltdown. And, like, you know, obviously, <laughs> like, he can be emotional and, like, you know, like, have other issues going forward. I'm not saying, like, he's going to be perfect, perfect yeah. But, like, I hope that that was, like, you know, these episodes we've been talking about. I hope that was kind <laughs> of, like, that was his last big one. He's 18. You know, he's outgrown that stage of his life. They happen a little less frequently after. Yeah, and I think a lot of, like, his insecurities were not only tied to, like, his family and, like, not being seen as, like, number one to anybody as as we've talked about, but I think it was, like, tied to Hogwarts a lot as well and kind of, like, that school environment with a lot of other teenagers. So I think once he's, like, out of that environment, he's able to, like, hopefully be comfortable like in his relationship with Hermione and get what he needs to get out of that relationship yeah hopefully all as well yeah definitely okay uh do we have any like wrap-up thoughts I don't I don't really think so I hope we didn't forget anything should we do the pop quiz sure Oh, I say it. For today's pop quiz, we forgot to post this on Facebook, so sorry about that. Um, We can post it when the episode goes live so that you guys can answer it as well. I mean, Um, and you can, yeah, you can kind of answer it in your own way as well, because like the wording might not be as specific to you as it is to us. But the question to Audrey and I is Have your feelings changed about Ron since? take one of our Ron episode and if they have changed how yeah I don't really know um I don't remember really what I said about (laughs) Ron um I feel like I was probably pretty harsh on him uh I think that like just since like yeah since like starting the podcast and I think like thinking a little bit more critically about things I've become a little bit more appreciative of Ron I think I'm still harsh on him at times and I still like he's still my least favorite of the trio um and I still stand by um loving the Harry and Hermione friendship but I definitely am like more appreciative of him and I think that I like try to like see his side in things a lot more and I think honestly like I can as I talked about earlier like I think probably that like where I am now which is definitely like I definitely before was like, okay, Ron's like overreacts to everything, you know, like moody and like is in the wrong in all situations basically. And now I feel like the, the only like one situation that I like really can't get over as far as his character or really can't like justify or excuse is like the fact that he just like did not believe Harry at all post um, Harry's name coming out of the goblet of fire. I think everything else I can like try to put myself in his shoes and understand what 
like he was going through and why he was acting that way um but that one thing I think is like where I get I get hung up on yeah um I neither of us went back and listened to the episode like we kind of joked that we would at the end of last episode before the starting of the on part two but so I don't I don't really remember but I feel like I was more critical maybe than I am now kind of similar to what you're saying um again like he's definitely my least favorite of the trio I think he's the easiest to like see flaws in in a lot of ways um I still think like he's a great character I still like love him you know like he is still part of the golden trio you know and their friendship is why I think their friendship I think is what makes them such great characters Mm -hmm. and so like I can't like Ron is a part of those friendships you know yeah um but yeah I definitely think I was maybe a little bit more critical of him um and I think this might sound kind of silly, but like with the job I have now and like being like in direct interaction with kids of that age again mm-hmm. and like not being one of those kids myself, I think that I can maybe have a little bit more sympathy <laughs> um, for some of the things that like Ron was going through mm-hmm. as well. So, Well, I mean, I don't really feel like I have anything else to say on Ron. I hope we, like you said, I hope we covered everything. Uh, <laughs> We tried our best. I think we hit the major points, but I'm afraid to say that because we might have missed something. I know. Um, but, yeah, let us know what you guys thought um, and what what you think about Ron as a character overall and kind of your stance on these things. Because I think he is, like, I don't know. I feel like the fandom has can have some mixed views on him. Yeah, like, I definitely don't think he's polarizing. Like, I doubt Ron Weasley's anybody's, like, least favorite character in this, in, like, the Harry Potter series. Um, But I definitely do think that, like, takes on him can vary. Like, some people love him. Yeah. Okay. Um, You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. And uh, I will ask, as I do every time, (laughs) that you (laughs) leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help us spread the love. Yeah, and you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Studies Podcast at Facebook and Instagram, Wizard Studies on Twitter. You can join our Facebook group um, at Wizard Studies Podcast Group. You can email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com with any of your thoughts about Ron, any future episode ideas, any fan mail you want to send us, whatever. (laughs) All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Mm